Welcome to Courageous Help by BASE, where we believe in the power of assistance to change the world. I'm Natalie Turner, Executive Assistant at BASE. Here on Courageous Help, we sit down with current and former assistants who are challenging the status quo. From impacting global business practices to molding new career paths and beyond, all while managing their full plate as an assistant. Join us while we explore how today's assistants can leverage their position to drive positive change. Today on Courageous Help, I'm really excited to be chatting with Ro Hoffer. Ro is the senior assistant to the co-founder and CEO, as well as the lead for the EA cohort at Mozilla, where she is an integral leader in the recruiting, hiring, and onboarding of assistants across the organization. Roe has had a long and successful career as an executive assistant at companies such as the Computer History Museum, NetApp, and Hyperion Solutions, just to name a few. And outside of Mozilla, Roe is also an entrepreneur. She founded MicroFit with her husband in 2002, which is a fitness company specializing in functional training and athletic coaching. And then in 2017, Roe created Vitamin Dance where she teaches choreographed routines to people of all ages, which sounds super fun to me. And so to kick us off, can you share with us a bit about yourself, Ro, and your journey to get to where you are today? Yes. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here with you, Natalie. Happy big to have fan. you. Yeah, big fan of base, big user. <laughs> yes. So my journey well, definitely wasn't the plan to be an executive assistant, but happily doing the role, the work, and completely bought in. And it's a position that I feel is prime time for showcasing. So thank you for doing this type of platform. Anyway, absolutely. the first intention that I wanted to do when I was growing up was to be an actress. So mm. you can imagine that. It's a very distant, but not so unfamiliar as far as what we do day by day, because yeah. there's a lot of, lot of acting in the so, role. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. But the acting is authentic, or at least it's to honor the role we're doing. We yeah. do need a little bit of representation check <laughs> yeah. in the day to day. So that was the intention for my future, but that was not where the journey led me to. And then there was the other part where I am very much a fan of fashion Ooh. and I love the art, the artistic element of fashion. And that was the other part I dove into. But when I moved here to the U.S., I found that I was not exactly in the right location to pursue something fashion-wise. Uh, where did you move to in the U.S.? California. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I should have been perhaps in New York. Maybe that's where it should have been my, my start. But I was in California and it was a little less, I had lesser exposure to design houses and all of that. And I ended up trying my hand at corporate America in a consulting firm. And that's where I blossomed as an EA. I had wonderful mm -hmm. executives, colleagues, fellow EAs, and a mentor, she was the chief people officer at the time, who saw something in me and said, you know what, we're going to do this for you. This is the path we're going to explore with you. And that was it. I fell in love with the role and thought, okay, I could be happily doing this for many more years, thinking years, not decades. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so here thinking, we are. Yeah. What a gift to have a mentor like that, or to have, you know, bosses or colleagues that inspire you to continue in this work. I know that that's certainly been true of, of me with Paige. So I love that that is kind of what got you bought in was the people that were investing in you and the people that were around you. Correct, Natalie. And just like for you and Paige, she saw the strength that you have already. So there was nothing there that she was needing to point out as a weakness. It was the seeing of what was strong about us and then developing that even further. Mm, I love that. So we are so excited to have you on the podcast today because you're a longtime friend of the base community, as you mentioned, and you've been on base live with us before, which base live is our, it's pretty much monthly video platform that we have. We have fireside chats. We do kind of more teaching webinar styles just kind of depends on who we have on, but you've been on there with us in the past and are beloved to our community. And then you're also a currently a power user of the base platform. As you mentioned, you're a user and you have dedicated a huge portion of your life, not only to being an assistant, but also to training and supporting other assistants as well. And this is just what we were talking about, you know, the beauty of someone believing in you and willing to teach you or to be there with you on, your, on their journey. So I know from past conversations that you're very passionate about advocating for the assistant role. So I am really excited to kick off our conversation today by asking you the question we ask everyone on this show, which I love, is how do you change the world as an assistant? Respectfully and intentionally. Mm. <laughs> so I say that because I'm going to say something. I hope it doesn't come across as it's not a self-deprecating thing, but I do know my place mm. in the ecosystem. And when I say respectfully, how I change the world of EAs or how we are perceived, there needs to be a very intentional and respectful manner in which we do that. We all are movers and shakers in our own right, but we have to always be very aware that being in the executive office, there's a dance to it. There's a fine line that you don't cross when you represent an office of such high magnitude or profile, right? There is always this awareness to not overstep, regardless of how emboldened and how empowered we are. We're not entitled. Mm, what a distinction. So, Can you share more yes, about that? We have seen many executives who call their assistants, you are part of my executive team, part of, but you're not the executive. So there's the difference. And I happily and wholeheartedly embrace that. I am not unaware and I am not unfamiliar to what that means. And that's what makes us the executive assistants at the level we're at because we know it. So the way I change the executive assistant view, profession, and how I advocate for it is be the champion, be the LeBron James of your profession, of the role you play, and be that person who carries other team members to the championship. Hmm. But never, ever forget that you are not the executive who is making decisions in a very different space than what we are performing in. Do we take part in it? Of course. Do we contribute to it? Of course. But again, that very fine line, things fall apart when there is an EA, an executive assistant, who forgets that 
being part of the executive team doesn't make you the executive. The bread and butter of our role is to support, assist, represent, and whatever else verb you want to add in there. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes because we get so impassioned and we are empowered, we take it a little too far. Can you elaborate on that a little bit or give an example of what you mean when that kind of line gets crossed or, or it's forgotten? Like, how does that look tangibly? At some point in our careers, we've met a diva. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've nicknamed, we've used that word in a negative connotation, but executive assistants who will represent or actually utter the words that perhaps were not even said by their own executive, the misrepresentation of, well, my executive will never do that, or my executive is expecting you to do that. And what is the takeaway from that? You make your executive look like a complete, I will not use the word, but we all know what I'm saying. And I have discovered that Half the time, the executive doesn't even know that that's the representation that's happening Mm. until it's very late. But there are two parties to that, right? The executive who is not invested in Mm. the mentorship of their executive assistant and not being clear, not clarifying that the expectation from an, an assistant in his or her office is a certain way. And when they are hands off in how they either manage or engage with executive assistants. So it has to be a designed alliance in that office. So you're saying that the responsibility falls on both parties? Both, absolutely both, just like in any relationship, whether personal or professional. Yeah, so it sounds like this is something that you obviously embody, but in your training and support of other assistants, how do you teach this? I'm curious Mm. because... I also share on our platform, you know, the bread and butter of what I teach too is this is a relationship. What you have with your executive is is a relationship and you should approach everything as such. And so I'm curious how you teach that. You model the behavior. I don't subscribe to those who can't do teach. Mm. That only goes a little bit this far, especially for this role. And when you're in the trenches, when your fellow executive assistants can see that what you are advocating for is something that lives in you and you breathe every day, then teaching becomes more of an invitation. Mm. It's an allyship. And I say this to myself, to lead someone is actually becoming an ally to that person. So to teach someone is to also become a student in its purest form. I dread the day, and hopefully this doesn't ever happen, to where I get to a point where I feel like I'm never, ever going to learn anything new, Mm -hmm. because then that's the death of my role and my profession. So if I am modeling that behavior, then hopefully people that I'm working with, working for, or let's say even managing, will see that there is no other end game than to honor the work we're so fortunate to actually be involved with and whatever work that is regardless of how small or how big you've got to honor that work or else you have no love for it and it Mm. shows Natalie don't you feel that it shows when somebody doesn't honor the work anymore yeah we've all encountered that I would say that we probably have moments of that ourselves but Mm -hmm. yeah I'm curious about kind of circling back to us saying you know this is a relationship it's two ways and I know that you're saying 
you model it for other assistants, but how do you create that kind of relationship with your executive where it falls on both? Mm -hmm. How do you teach them without crossing that line? First off, you can't force anything within the first month of you combining your work with someone, right? You have to get to a point to where you have a good feel for what it is that this person is all about. And they have to get a good sense of what you're all about because you have to trust each other. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you just don't have to trust each other, but you have to show the surrounding people in the circle that you're there for a purpose. So I'll go back to, I'll use it again, the modeling part. If there is something that my executive in the early times of our coming together, that they do well, I bring it forward to where I verbally will say, that helps, that helped me, that really helped, that was so valuable, thank you. Or if there was anything missing, I'll do the reverse. I won't poke at it, because sure. depending on the executive, they may take that as that's part of your job. You're supposed to figure it out. But what I'll do in those instances is not question why I didn't get that information, if that's the, the situation we're in. But there are also other people who can help you in that circle that you're revolving in, right? It doesn't always have to be just your executive that you are homing in. And that's not the only communication that you should hone into, but there's a whole network of people. They want you to be successful. Mm. So they're ready to roll up their sleeves to make that relationship for you and your executive work because they also reap the benefits of a very successful relationship between you and your executive. Can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. So my current executive, I was her first, or I am her first executive assistant in the truest sense of the word. She did not know what I was supposed to do for her. We laugh about this now, and I tell this story a lot because it's so quintessential of how our engagement is. She said to me, I don't know what you're going to do for the office of the chair. I don't know what your responsibilities would be. But to me, that was my call to action as far Mm -hmm. as, oh, call to action and a challenge in itself. But it was also one of those things where I knew I'm not going to rely on my executive to give me my to-do list or even to structure the kind of working patterns and systems. I just had to go deep and do it and hopefully feel psychologically safe that if I make a mistake, that doesn't look like I was a complete either moron or that I went off base, or I was out of line. But to build that relationship is trial and error, just like anything else. When you're dating, not that I'm saying it's like a dating relationship. When you're dating, isn't it like a litmus test of this and of that, of this and of that? And then eventually you either say, there's a position and there's a place where you've come, that you have openly become aware of what you're willing to give and what you're willing to take or what you're not. Mm -hmm. So to be more specific about that, after I told you the story of her not knowing what I'm supposed to do, then day by day, you just start doing and undoing and doing more (laughs) and iterating. So I taught her by doing. So Mm. back to modeling. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the 
psychological safety piece ah, because that, I, that I hit a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that so many people in this profession tend to be so impossibly hard on themselves. And I'm curious how you would describe finding that safety without without them being too easy on yourself or without then going, perhaps going into what you were describing initially, which is being a diva or overstepping. Like how do you, where's the balance there? Mm -hmm. I wish there was a recipe book we could follow. Yeah. Right. But this is what we know about our EA role. It's so heavily nuanced and it changes depending on who your executive is and who you're working for company-wise, size-wise, demographic, industry. So it's trial by error. The emotional and psychological safety comes from, first off, just like with any project, are you prepared? You don't go into any endeavor without preparation. I'm, if any of you are familiar with the insights, personality tests, like Myers-Briggs, Clifton Strengths, all those things that we love to do. I'm yellow and red. So yellow is about spontaneity and emotion and red has a strong leadership in there. So I have to dance that fine sort of tango. But when you are thinking about, okay, psychological safety, you will not have it if you don't feel first off that you put on your oxygen mask before someone else. If I'm not prepared, then I feel untethered. And if I'm untethered, I feel unsafe because I have no lifeline. So for me, To be psychologically safe is to test things out for myself. And then when I roll something out, I am prepared to take either it flopped or it didn't. But before I did this, I also know enough about the other person's expectations of me, not the results, the expectation of my bearing and my being a person cannot have psychological safety if you feel like the other person is not prepared for you as well. Yeah. So we go back to the give and take, and there are two people in that relationship. So we're each modeling to each other that mistakes are okay. You being bold is welcome completely, but they also know and trust me that I know my place in our ecosystem. And what if you're not getting that feedback from your executive? Like, what if when you make a mistake, you aren't maybe treated like a human or you aren't Mm. treated with the, I have these high expectations of you because I've seen you perform well, because I trust Mm -hmm. you. How would you tell someone to navigate that? My question there is, is that mistake something that happens all the time? Because if that is the case, then what that is, is a breakdown in communication. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So mistakes, how do we navigate that? It definitely is a big, big sort of gut punch. I know EAs, we all take negative feedback, like this big sort of, oh, I failed you. (laughs) I know this, however small or however it sounds like it's not a big deal to me, it is. Yep. And that can weigh upon us if it happens constantly. If it's happening constantly, then there's a obviously something very broken or there's not enough synchronization or there's a core value that's being pinched. From my end, if I feel like I'm being taken down, if I feel like I have been depleted, 
then it's speaking to my core value. Is it because it's out of disrespect from my executive or is it because it's a style? And if it is disrespect, then I have to talk to myself. Am I willing to endure this? And if I am, for what? What's my takeaway? Am I getting paid so much money that I'm willing to endure? Some people, that's what they will do because it's what their life is requiring them to do. Yeah. And for others, no, I will not take it. I can only go this far. And if it's out of disrespect, there's a lot of self-reflection that needs to happen. If it's out of style that you're being depleted, I go back to, well, how do you communicate? How are you modeling? We can't hand over to someone else the treatment that we want to be given. You can't hand that off to someone as professionals and as grown-ups. I know it's easy to say you're the master of your universe, but up to a point, but it's also up to a point that you're willing to sacrifice. And it's one of those very deep-rooted insecurities that we also tend to have. Are we being chastised because we deserve it? Until we get over that hump and Mm -hmm. identify what it is that we're feeling, it's a very tough situation. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like for the most part, what you're describing is if there are constant mistakes or if there is this sort of challenge or imbalance between an assistant and an executive, that the problem is likely a breakdown in the relationship itself. And the problem isn't necessarily with the individuals. It could be, but it sounds like what you're describing for the most part is let's first examine the communication, the relationship the style, that sort of thing. I love that that's what you go to first, because as I said, I know so many assistants tend to take criticism or feedback and it just, it feels so personal. it's like, let's first look and see if this is a relationship thing versus a, it must mean something about me or it must mean something about them. It must Mm -hmm. mean that they are this awful, you know, whatever, however you want to characterize it. I love that. it's Let's look at the relationship first before we internalize it. Take a breath, take a pause, take a beat. And as you said, if it's consistent and constant, that's almost to me a call for action, an Mm -hmm. invitation for communication. Yeah. And also the acceptance of what the other person is all about. I can't force someone's style to change, but I can manage it. Yes. If I want to, there has to be responsibility. Are you willing to? Yeah. And up to when? Yeah. So kind of to summarize so far, you were describing that you changed the world as an assistant, you said respectfully, and we've kind of talked around that. And then what was the other word you used? Intentionally. Intentionally. Do you want to pull on that a little bit more? Yes. You can't change anything without knowing why it speaks to you. Why does it bother you? Or what is it calling out to you? So About a year and a half ago, I was busting at the seams as far as I have been doing this wonderful role that I love so passionately for so long, almost 30 years. I've seen the transition. I've seen the ups and downs of the industry. I've seen bubbles come about and burst. And I am so pleased with how the role has evolved and how it's been validated. So my intention was a year and a half or so ago was to give back. Hmm. And I thought, well, what does that look like? So to me, there was this calling of, I see the transition 
But there are things historically we should not leave behind. There are so many wonderful parameters or guidelines or let's just say standard operating procedures <laughs> in my day. <laughs> They were manualistic. Yes. <laughs> But I don't want to let go off because it spoke to an era when you could say the essence of that professional EA existed, when it mm. was not so flimsy. And I wanted to not lose it. And I wanted to still instill in the new manner of working and engaging with each other, the new professional way we're in. Yeah. It's not quite the same as before, but I wanted to keep certain parts of it. And I thought if I could reach out to executive assistants, if I could impart what those were that I lived through, good, bad, in between, and if I could keep bringing back and advocating for the reasons why there's a certain bearing to an executive assistant that makes us so important and effective. And I go back to empowered is not entitled, emboldened is not entitled. Intentionality right there. I needed to know why I wanted to give back and what was it that I was giving back. First off, history. Many have come before me. They've done that for me. I want to do it because there will be many who will come after me. Mm. And there needs to be a continuation of what made this role even come about and what makes it successful in any shape, way, form, decade, or any new software that comes along. There is a human person that still needs to exist in the middle of all the transitions. So that was my intention. And if I didn't have a very deep understanding of what it was that was bubbling up inside me, I wouldn't have had a call to action for me to step out of what is a busy schedule as it is. Yeah. So what was my game, my plan? The power of yes. All of a sudden, yes to invitations to join workshops. Yes to invitations to have podcasts. Yes yeah. to invitations to be more active in LinkedIn, to take one-on-one -on -one requests for what do you know about this? Prior to a year and a half ago, I felt it was enough that I was doing a good job. It was enough that I was helping Mozilla and the EA team do a, our best jobs. But then it came to a point of what do I leave behind? It can't be I worked for 30 or so years, I left and that was it. it yeah. To me, that's not it. So it sounds like part of how you are changing the world as an assistant is making sure you are helping to preserve the things that shouldn't be changed in a way. Yes. The things that shouldn't be changed because it holds us up in this profession. Yeah. Like you said, you're not just doing what you, you came to do for Mozilla. You're also creating legacy both for yourself and in this industry in general. Yes, and Natalie, every single time that we present this role in a, a more leveled up, in a way that it's validated as crucial and lucrative, every single time you and I come together in something like this that we're doing, to me, the ripple effect of that is unbelievable. Just imagine what one more voice from another EA who never thought this is something that could be a career. The prosperity for everyone is huge. One less hurdle 
one less. Yeah. So that is a pretty fantastic note to end on, um, in my <laughs> opinion. But as we're kind of wrapping up the conversation, are there any kind of threads we didn't get to fully pull on? Or are there any thoughts that feel unfinished that you want to kind of complete as we're wrapping up? I have this very big and firm subscription to the power of your network. Mm. And when I say network, it doesn't only end with the EA network or even just within the company that you're currently at. So I always like to make an invitation to people to reach out and participate. And when I say participate, it doesn't mean this, that what we're doing is the only way to participate. Be active, be that fellow EA who participates because you have something that you can offer up to someone else. Participate because you will always learn from someone else, regardless of how long or tenured you've been as an executive assistant. The most learnings I've gotten recently are from new EAs, fresh, Mm -hmm. who are just starting. So that's my call out. That's my invitation. That's the thread I want everyone to understand your network is a resource. It's your lifeline. It's also your truth. It's also your reminder of how to be. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. And then before we finish up, is there anything that you want to promote or a favorite resource you would like to share with, with our listeners? To promote... I am an open book on socials. So reach out. Yeah, where can people find you? I'm on LinkedIn, Rohoffer. I am on Clubhouse. I do a weekly Monday jam session of what's top of mind for EAs who join me. It could be something so casual and sometimes just pure frivolous fun. And sometimes we kind of go deep. So I'm there. It's called here. It's lowercase h, uppercase ea. And lowercase r. (laughs) How fun. I like that. Yes. And that's on Clubhouse? That is. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared today. I'm I know I'm still like putting all the pieces together and connecting it all because it is all connected, everything that you just shared. And I think that our listeners are gonna get a lot out of this. So it was really great chatting with you today and and thanks for being here with me. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much. Talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Courageous Help, brought to you by BASE. Learn more about how BASE is helping modern assistants maximize their potential at basehq.com or find us on LinkedIn at basehq or on Instagram at the BASE app. Don't forget to subscribe to Courageous Help wherever you get your podcasts.